We keep them down here. There are some simple rules which we insist you follow. Do not touch the glass. Do not approach the glass. You pass them nothing but soft paper. No pencils or pens. They have their own felt tip pens. No staples or paper clips in their paper. Use the sliding food carrier, no exceptions. If they attempt to pass you anything, do not accept it. Do you understand me? Yes. Above all else, never forget what they are. And what are they? Friendables! Two friends talking about Hannibal Lecter. Well, welcome. Please have a seat. Don't mind the smell. I've just been doing a little cooking, a little cleaning. Here's a I, towel. Thank you. <laughs> That's not for you. It's for them. <laughs> oh! <laughs> for this episode, your friends here at Friendables will be discussing the uh, the novel, The Silence of the Lambs by Thomas Harris. Mm-hmm. We're going to try to avoid talking about the movie as much as possible, I think. And it's going to be Actually, hard to not, because we'll, we'll also do an episode on, on the movie yeah. itself. I think I very much like the book. I mean, it's yeah. top five of all time. Like, all of my favorite books for me. Um, mm-hmm. Like, not my favorite, but top five. Yeah, I think you and I are talking about it a little bit off mic. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know if I put... I mean, when we get to the movie, obviously the movie Silence yeah. of the Lambs is, is on another level. But uh, as far as the books, I'm, I'm still putting Red Dragon just ever so slightly ahead of this one. And I one. totally get why. But this yeah. one just hits my vibe a little better. And I can totally yeah. see that too. And that, I think, brings me to my big first Favorites question. Favorites are subjective. Oh, yeah. No, and the, especially when you talk about preferences. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. not even me saying, oh, silence is your favorite. I, we, right. I, need, I need a new I need a new adjoining cell neighbor. <laughs> Bring M- Migs back. What? But... <laughs> oh. <Okay. laughs> That's how we're going to play it. I chose time. violence on, <laughs> on this episode of the you, podcast. You did. I'm about to choose violence later, so it's yeah. okay. We choose violence every day. <laughs> it's what brought fun. us here. The big question I think I have, and it was actually a thought I had while we, uh, while I was going back and editing our episode on Manhunter. Mm. You talked about how it was so, and it really hadn't occurred to me, and you were absolutely right. Manhunter took the agency away from all of the female characters. Yes. It went really out of its way to do that. Yes. And and I was thinking, this book, I think, is Harris's attempt to give a filmmaker, a theoretical filmmaker in the future, no way to do that. Yes. You cannot make an adaptation of this story. Only and the take... women have power in this book. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, the men are there. And some of them help. Do you and th- that's it. <laughs> do, you, do you think the book itself is a conscious response to Manhunter? Yes. Yeah. It might be hard to say, like, I'm gonna, okay, I'm going to walk that back for just a second. Like, that was a very emphatic yes, but I'm yeah. going to walk it back. It's hard to say whether it was conscious or not. I think there's a very good argument that it was a conscious effort. Like, like short of, like, emailing Thomas Harris and be like, yo, is this even your email? Is it active? Why haven't you replied to me? I thought we were friends. And then asking him, hey, did you write that? Like, mm-hmm. but I think it it's easily subconscious. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. I, I mean, do you have big thoughts before I get into se- several of mine that I have? Oh, I mean, I mean, kind of speaking of, of like, like, the Manhunter versus Silence of the Lambs thing, mm-hmm. like, I mean, I made a true joke about it before, but yeah, like, the thing I like about this book is that the only way it works is that 
the female characters do shit. Right. And do stuff. And they're the ones who solve the crime. Only a woman could solve the crime. Not just, it didn't just happen to be Clue Starling. It was the fact that the men were so inept because they were so out of their depth because they were trying to solve uh, an inherently female crime Mm -hmm. and the the dressmaking. Because anything the men were like, that's something I don't have to worry about. But it's like, but that, like, even even the killer, even Jane Gum was like obsessed with women in that way that he that he was like I he used almost like feminine ways like even the tricking of women into the into the truck was like in a way like he did use trickery which is frequently they even like uh cl- connect trickery with like Clarice Starling's character like women mm-hmm. have to trick their way into things because yeah. they're not physically strong enough everything about this was like yeah only women can do it. And, because yeah. she was able to see things that a man just wouldn't. Yes. Even a, in, at least in the context of this story, well-meaning enough man like Jack Crawford. Oh, yeah. It just are things that wouldn't occur to him. And that makes so much sense to me. There are things about the female experience, for uh-huh. lack of a better term, that you can explain to me. Right. And I will understand. But I, but I couldn't instinctively for sure. reach for that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And there's some things that like... Like, from, like, a man's point of view that I, like, I can understand but can't, like, instinctually reach for. Like, I have to have, I frequently have to have toxic masculinity explained to me. I'm like, why do you dudes do that? And I'm like, okay, I see where you're coming from, but why? Yeah. The the why, I think that gets to our next point. There is no why with a lot of toxic masculinity. It's just a a thing that is done. And that's Mm -hmm. an interesting line. I think it's in page 21. Because there's the conversations between Lecter and Starling are much m- meatier, for lack of a better yes. term. <laughs> and uh, he says at one point, nothing, nothing happened to me, Officer Starling, because he's talking about the test. And it's interesting yeah. that the next two books dislocate their literary shoulder trying to explain what happened to him. No, for sure. Yeah. And even if you take it from um, a canon sense, I mean, I think right. in a weird way, he's trying to rewrite his own... Mm. happening be like I, yeah. nothing happened to me i happened right but it's just like no you survived a trauma like if you're taking you know the the canon literary stuff it's like you survived a trauma and then you're trying to disassociate yourself from your own past which is interesting and i think that's also why clary starling is a little bit like wow it's weird how you never look in a mirror huh yeah just fucking look at a mirror just do 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 Right. Easy to read. But she's more polite than that, so um, which is why he likes her. The thing that I really like about this book is many times through Clarice, she brings up, like, I can't be taken off the case. I'm the only woman working it. Right. There, you're going to miss things. You already have missed things. Yeah. You need at least a female presence. It doesn't have to be me, but you need a female officer. The cops in the room with, like, the, the body she's invited to go and fingerprint. Mm-hmm. And the cops are all standing around. And she realizes that, A, Jack Crawford did kind of do, did her dirty by making her seem like, oh, she's a woman. We're not going to talk about the case in front of her because it's, like, gross. And so he goes and talks to the sheriff. And then all the rest of the cops are staying around. And she's like... God damn, there's like 20 of you in here. This is a small room. And so she was like, these are good country boys. And so in, in, in the book, I mean, she even like puts her hair up in that kind of old washerwoman, like, yeah. like babushka almost kind of style. And she goes like, all right, well, I'm here to help dress this body and put her to rest. I need y'all to, you did so good getting her here, but let me take her home. Like, And they're all like, yes, grandmother, yes. And they leave. And she knew, because she was like, I can manipulate these motherfuckers so easily. 
<laughs> and she does. Yeah. That, that's, that's so pivotal to like, that's it. That's her like cornerstone where she looks at men and she goes, God, y'all are easy to ma- manipulate. We are. <laughs> Insanely easy. Like th- that's where, you know, I try to evolve beyond toxic masculinity. I, 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 I mm. but where, where it manifests itself, it's like, is there really a power dynamic change? Because we're simple people, and, and you could make us do whatever we whatever you want. It's just uh-huh. a matter of placating our ego, at, at a, at, and not at a, 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 a exceptionally subtle level. It's just yeah. making wild swings toward our ego will usually get the job done. Mm-hmm. I will betray my assigned gender at birth for a second and say... Women can be manipulated too, just in a different way. Oh, clearly, it's a different way. But yeah, in my uh, if you I'm just, act I'm just like, like you're paying attention to me, mm, I'm good. Man. I'm fucking good. I'm like oh, that guy and liked what I said and actively followed my advice. Yeah. I'll marry him. <laughs> and that's that's how yeah. I found my partner. <laughs> Maybe people are just manipulated, uh, easy to manipulate, manipulate across the board. We're apes. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes just that's we just want the banana. Except Lecter, who's more of a fallen angel, I think. He has has that sort of mentality, like Old Testament. Uh, yeah. I I have opinions about God, and I don't think you want to hear them. I have opinions about Hannibal Lecter. I have lots of opinions about Hannibal Lecter, and that's one we of the things. We should start a podcast about it. I weird how we have talked Chilton into these mics set up in our <laughs> room. Apparently, it entertains us and keeps us out of trouble. How much anyway. trouble can we get in these brick cells? But yeah. <laughs> we'll have a spoon. Anyway, so don't take my spoon away. I don't know how to classify these books. They are either mystery. I mean, they're definitely mystery. They're mystery, but there is a touch supernatural in the is Hannibal Lecter the devil mm. or is he not? And you have to just think he's the devil. You have to take Red Dragon and Silence on their own because really the other two novels are written in a different mentality in the sense of franchise building. And we can get into that when we get into those. Harris Um, needs to pay off his mortgage. Yeah. Or just, you know, (laughs) yeah, we'll we'll get there. (laughs) Yeah. uh, there is a, an otherworldly quality. I mean, they talk about him as a vampire. They talk yes. about him. He has like the sixth finger on his left hand, yeah. which is very sinister. Literally, yeah. the meaning of the word. The, almost, yeah, almost Luciferian about yes. him. That very has, Luciferian. Yeah. yeah, he he is elegant and mm-hmm. and and he has anger, but we couldn't contemplate what he's angry at. Right. And he uses knowledge and freedom mm-hmm. in their most violent mm-hmm. forms. Mm-hmm. Um which which is again also incredibly Luciferian. Mm-hmm. Um see so that's where I'm like, is he Lucifer or does he just think he is? I think I think the next novel, Hannibal, probably tips it toward that. For sure. Whereas I think here he is a very stylized, and not even a heavy, because really Buffalo Bill is the heavy. He's a stylized supporting character. Yeah. Red Dragon and Silence are much easier. And mystery isn't quite right, because we are given the answer to the mystery fairly early. It's a hard-boiled detective, but, you know... Right. Yeah, postmodern. 
Yeah. In yeah, that it's sense. it's there is kind of a modern day mystery like a uh, subset of mystery genre mm-hmm. where the audience knows who the killer is, but the sure. the kind of the fun of it is watching the detective figure it out. I've seen several movies that are that are structured like that, but they're all post Red Dragon, so that could have been yeah. like a thing that got started by that. I, I have a hard time getting to that kind of a plot construction where we know who done it. Yeah. And think of it as a mystery. Yeah. Uh, it suspense, becomes a, det- really. a suspense story, a, a, a detective story. Yeah. And the Venn diagram between detective and mystery is there, but right. still very two distinct yeah. things. Yeah. I think we are approaching our commercial break. Mm-hmm. I think we'll have plenty to talk about on this book. Oh, got, easy. I've got a couple more big time questions we need to chew on. I'm mm-hmm. sure you've got a few more things. Oh, so we'll, absolutely. we'll go to our commercial break. Cool. <laughs> It's time for Eris's Recipe Corner. With Eris. And human meat. Yes. Pardon now, Apocalypse Later Industries does not recommend using human meat in any dish. So, um, I'm, I'm choosing violence. Um, oh. <laughs> apparently. <laughs> uh, so, uh, I'm Southern. I'm, I'm Southern-ish. I'm Southern-adjacent. It's real hard to define the state that we live in because, like, we're not Texas and we're not Mississippi, but we're close enough. We're what's left over. We're yeah. We're the yeah. literally the leftovers. Yeah, we're the parts that Texas would let go and not mm-hmm. keep fighting war. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> all right, we wanted to fight a war, but you can good have mood. this little blotch of bullshit right here, and, and we're gonna call it strip. good. Yeah. So I'm gonna do my chili recipe. Nice. And I, I know, love chili. I. This is how I make chili, and I know a lot of people have opinions. Every good Southerner has their own chili recipe. And if you happen to, like, need one, you can borrow mine and then do some twists on it. Just like how I borrowed it from my, my father, and he borrowed it from his dad. And, like, this this has been a passed down chili recipe, and none of the recipes are the same. Because we all go, that's dumb, I'm doing this. Harris is time. slowly but surely becoming Clarice Starling as this episode <laughs> progresses. Like This movie and book was incredibly formative to me as a child because I watched it way too early. The first time I saw Silence of the Lambs, I was eight. I, w- I, I was like 15. And it was, I was eight. Like on TV. Yeah, my it's dad was like, hey, this is, this is my favorite movie. I'm going to show... My elementary school age daughter. <laughs> Good job, Dad. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> anyway, here's my chili recipe that I took from my dad and then butchered it. You're gonna start with about a pound and a uh, pound and a half of some type of we'll just call it ground beef. However, you came across it. It'd be ground turkey as long yeah. as you ground it. Okay, if you for no for sure, if you do ground turkey, extra spices. Turkey Agreed. itself is a rather bland meat. It can um, also be a very dry meat, which it, actually does work for a chili, chili pretty yes, well. Yes, yeah, because we're yeah. going to be adding all them sauces yeah. on there. So it does, yeah. Turkey does actually work really well for this. If you happen to come across another type of um, thrifty find, um, <laughs> then yeah, I I would I would I would adjust the spices a little bit to be um, more on the savory side. You're going to start with about a pound and a half of ground beef. Um, meat, ground meat, ground meat. Um, and you're Your gonna, butcher can advise you on what you need. Yeah, and, and you're going to dice an onion. 
And, uh, uh, I like to use this, the sweet Vidalia onions on this one. Mm. And you're going to brown them together. And you're going to add in dash salt pepper. And then I like to measure chili powder with my heart. Usually, That's a very southern impulse. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, usually recipes, they say like a couple of tablespoons. And I go... All right, and I add like a good quarter to half a cup. <laughs> it's uh, it's a lot. It's it's a lot. Um, I usually buy the jumbo bottles and I go through them pretty quickly. But you're gonna brown up your meat and you're going to make it real spicy. And then I feel like this is the part that Texas is gonna like disown me for. Once you've got that cooked, did they own you before? No, but I did live there very briefly. As did I. Nice. Yeah. Wow, I'm learning so much. Yeah. Anyway, it is two cans of pork and beans, lightly smashed. You're going to actually smash those beans. That way it's more paste-like and it will thicken up the chili. Hmm. You don't need to drain them. You just need to smash them. And then it is a can of kidney beans and a can of black beans. Hmm. It is going. Then I use, I feel, I feel like the judgment from across state lines. Uh, you already sweet. brought beans into the equation. I'm just I like. I know, right? I'm right. I'm like, you thought that was bad. <laughs> oh, I forgot. A can of uh, diced tomatoes. Sure. About, honestly, a cup of sweet baby raised barbecue sauce. Just straight on in there. And this then, is not a light chili we're doing. Oh, God, no. No, okay. Oh, no. This this chili puts meat on your bones. This is a th this is a winter chili. This is a, <laughs> this is a hibernating chili. Uh, it goes real good with cornbread. <laughs> Which, hey, I recommend on cornbread, you throw in a, probably a cup and a half, two cups of frozen corn kernels, it right just right into the batter. And then make a little bit of honey sometimes, depending on if your batter is sweet or not. Like, I use just the box. <laughs> Jiffy. This is the part where I now start going, there's not enough vegetables in this. I know, right? And I start looking in my freezer. And I will frequently add in, sometimes I'll add in corn. Sometimes I add in like a diced pepper, bell pepper. And then I will also add in sriracha sauce, the rooster sauce, uh, if I want it to be really hot, if I want it to be slightly more mellow. Sometimes I'll add, especially if I want to make it spicy, I'll add cocoa powder to kind of give it that mole kind of mm -hmm. vibe. I can see it. I usually go through the spice cabinet. Um, it already has a ton of chili powder, so it really doesn't need any more. But if you want to put in more, you could do... Uh, just a little bit. I add in cumin a lot of times. Sure. Um, sometimes I even add in allspice, especially if I've added in that cocoa powder. And then I just let that baby simmer. That's my chili. I've had zero complaints about it. I've had a lot of people go, I don't know what you served me. This isn't chili, but it's delicious. I'm like, okay, you can get the <laughs> fuck out of my house. But, you know, I'll call it what I want to call it. Because I did just serve you chili with corn in it. So it's cool. <laughs> Based on this description, you are not a proponent of making the chili especially spicy beforehand. Mm-mm. Mm. Interesting. Um, I find that spices tend to blend better uh, if you add them, like, after the fact. You let it simmer. Mm. But, like, you, you can burn spices depending on the type of spice you use. Sure. So if it's too high of a heat without enough, like, liquid to help it, like, settle, you, you can actually just char it. Mm. I'm thinking, like, Tabasco or, or something oh, like that. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, you know, I, I have used Tabasco before, but it's not something I frequently keep in my house. And I tend to be a pantry cooker, and I almost always, always have rooster sauce. Gotcha. The sriracha. So, yeah. Okay. 
If you have Tabasco and that's your go-to hot mm-hmm. sauce, absolutely. Gotcha. I'm a big proponent of like what's in the fridge, what's in the pantry. So yeah, don't don't buy a special ingredient on my account. And that's Eris's recipe corner. Woo! Human meat. Optional. We thank you, the listener, for uh, joining us for this episode of Friendables. There are other fine podcasts at PartyApocalypse.com. There is The Holodeck is Broken, which features both Eris, myself, our producer Z. Hey, producer Z. Hi. And my wife, Laura, watching through Star Trek, all of Star Trek. Who knows if we'll get through that. (laughs) It's a tall, we bit off more than we could chew. But. We're having fun. And we are into the second season of TNG at the time of this recording and probably at the time of this posting. Uh, There are other podcasts available on the site, The Fourth Wall in its entirety, and As the Myth Turns in its entirety, featuring featuring Eris and Z. A new podcast has officially joined the Party Apocalypse family. This has been in the works for a little while, uh, Beyond the Cabin in the Woods. Uh, a Good Ghoul's Guide to Horror, a podcast that's been around for a number of years. It instantly became the oldest podcast on the site. <laughs> and one I've been involved with off and on throughout the years is now a Party Apocalypse podcast. So it's all available on the website, along with books, blogs, movie reviews, and now recipes that you'll find in text form on this podcast. So be checking partyapocalypse.com. We'll have more new shows coming. And so uh, we'll go back to our episode. As a matter of plot, mm. and I think it's more of an appropriate question for this book than, than the movie, why didn't Jack Crawford reach out to Will Graham on Bill? Right. I mean, the book... The book obviously gives us some degree of maybe why, because he is a completely broken right man. Why it didn't... There could have even been a scene in the context of the books as a, as a series, Crawford going to Florida. You could even have a Will Graham scene in there. He has the Buffalo Bill case file and says, Will, will you just look at it? I don't want to put you out there again. I know it broke you. Right. Can you look at it? And then you have Will Graham just tearing the whole thing to pieces. And Right. Yeah. Yeah, there, there very easily could have been that scene. I'm okay without it. It does leave a little bit of a question of like, Jack, why didn't you have the resource? I mean, you're known to be using all the resources at your disposable. To a fault. And to a point where you don't care if you break that resource. Right. I mean, he frequently breaks people. But at the same time, I can also see maybe an editor was like, hey, this is, this makes this book drag. So maybe maybe he just lift it out. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, And they could even had another beat after it, like, why didn't Lecter go after Graham? Right. After, uh, after he got out. Why yeah. wasn't Graham put on some kind of protection the moment Lecter escaped? Well, that could have been another line. Yeah. Like, they did all this, they did all that. Uh, a- agents in the Clearwater, Florida right. field office put Will Graham in, in protective custody, and he was none, none too happy about yeah, it. Yeah, and- and then it turns out Lecter never shows up because I think honestly Lecter he once he care. sees once he sees Will's face like, he's like you got got kid I'm, yeah. all right I'm good I, my work here is done I was gonna eat you but I'm gonna let you live yeah buddy. yeah <laughs> this is cr- this is punishment enough and look I, at, look at your face <laughs> and I'd have to go to Florida no thank you right. <laughs> the place where the strange man put the mouse ears on everyone no no thank you I 
I like I, I don't know if Hannibal Lecter would love Florida and all of its bath salt eaten bastards or just find it despicable because yeah. of the bath salts. Yeah. Uh right? I don't think he'd like it. No, I think yeah. he'd be like, This place is not for us. It's a silly place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I mean, there's the whole question of Will Graham. I mean, does it read a little bit like Thomas Harris was just like, I forgot about him. I forgot that was a character I made. Whoops. He Clarice like... is way more interesting to me right. now. There there are references to him. He doesn't completely right. ignore it. But I don't feel like Will Graham is an entity in this universe. And maybe that's the point, is that after his injuries at the end of Red Dragon, he is not. Because then also going into Hannibal... Why the book, right. which we'll get to, why isn't Will Graham zero references oh, God, he's at, not by the time of Hannibal? Yeah, at all. Yeah, or even thought of. Yeah, completely uh, non-character used up. Right. Yeah, I'm okay with it because I think in a weird way that was the point of Red Dragon. Yeah, was Jack Crawford was kind of just as nasty as the people he was hunting, and he didn't mind throwing away Will Graham's life, really. For, yeah. um, even if on a spiritual level, but I mean, yeah, Will Graham is a broken man. I could have used 1%, like a little bit more. Right. Cause where... it does kind of like, there's a little bit of a hole there. Like I get yeah. it thematically, but I, like, I don't think he needs to become to... part of the story. Yeah. But I need a better justification for how, how he's not there. Just straight up, Drat couldn't find him. He got in a boat and he's in the middle of the fucking ocean. He's yeah. just like, I, I, they can't get me when I'm on land. Yeah. They can't, you know, only sharks can get me now. <laughs> you could have even organically done it. It's a scene, Clarice is coming into Jack's office and Jack's on the phone. Like, and he's like, get the Coast Guard out there. I don't fucking he, oh, care. Or he's even, he's even managed to get him on the phone. Like, and it, it's like, well, and she's like, who's that, sir? And he's like, someone I broke. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody you need to worry about. Now, about you. Now, about you. <laughs> Let's proceed Fresh with the breaking breakable the person, you. I like to think that Jack Crawford, because he did teach her, they t- he, she took his class at yeah. UVA. I like to think that Jack Crawford, you know, then grilled him pretty hard and that kind of got, uh, you know, Clarice on his radar. And then later, you know, Academy and stuff. And he, you know, kind of pokes and, and looks at her and realizes, oh, she is so polite. Yeah. Mm, if I ever need a bait. If I ever need, if I ever need bait, if I ever need bait, and just like had her tucked away in his mental Rolodex, yeah, for later of like when I need to get under Hannibal Lecter's skin, that's who I'm throwing at him because I can't send Will anymore. Oh God, no. yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I, Will riles up Hannibal. He needed yeah. somebody to like appeal know, to him, appeal but, to him, and yeah. not in a prurient way necessarily i think the movie maybe leans into that yeah. a little bit more because that's its whole ethos mm-hmm. lector yeah lector inflames Lec- his imagination yeah yeah lector likes starling mm-hmm. because she is direct incredibly smart mm-hmm. she is good at manipulating people around her mm-hmm. but she's always been perfectly professional and polite with him it's like yeah. like all of his big four n- needs and he's just like I don't know if I want to eat you or be your best friend. Okay. Mm, cool. Cool, 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 cool. I think I just want Hannibal Lecter to be like sitting in a cell and just like, if Hannibal Lecter was Gen Z, he would just be like, cool, 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 cool. All right. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I could eat her. I could. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's, I think you hit upon something. I think he sees 
himself. Yes. In her, which I think is in the movie, and again, trying to shy away from that until we get to there, but uh, Starling of the movie is an altruistic hero. Yeah. Starling of the book is just a little crazier around the edges. Yes. To where the conclu- the conclusion that we're heading toward at the end of the book, Hannibal, mm-hmm. people, you know, like, lit themselves on fire when they read that book. Like, you can't do that. You can't do that. Jodie Foster's like, I'm not going to be in a movie of this. Are you out of your yeah. goddamn mind? Yeah. But when you look, but the book Starling right. is crazier yes, I than think, that. Yeah, I think Hannibal saw her mm-hmm. and in the same way that it's implied in in the books uh, and they they made it way more strong in the NBC show but the right. way that it's implied in the books is that Hannibal also liked to drive his patients to violence and mm. um and I wanted to see if they would kill like with only his suggesting that they do so and I think he saw Starling saw himself in her in some way or just was like oh she nuts she yeah she could be a monster it's... and she's in the fbi yay i mean it was like right. his birthday all wrapped up in one and it, it makes me wonder how much did jack see of that in her too maybe it, it, it's an incredibly romantic idea yeah that i see a kindred spirit here that mm-hmm. in and, and in a world where i don't find too many of those right and she's young and right. she, her whole life is ahead of her. Yeah. She's been through just the right amount of trauma. Yeah. It, it's, and it, she's a little feral. Yeah. A little feral. Yeah. And if I, I could, I could cultivate that. Maybe and it, once upon a time had been domesticated. Right. But now has, has it, gone back to survive in the wild. It's simultaneously kind of horrifying and beautiful. Yes. It's which, weirdly sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Because he, he doesn't. He doesn't want to use her. He 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 views that as potential and wants oh, to yeah. unlock it. Yeah. yeah, he finds the world more interesting with her in it. Yeah, yeah, and he kind of hopes that she's gonna make it more interesting. It, like, just do it, girl. Just just shoot him. Just just kill some people. You is, know you want to. They're all fucked up. Just shoot them. It's easy. Is it? It's almost a degree of soulmates, and I think that's what the show brings out. Because yeah. I'm thinking of when I met my wife. I had, it, it, I mean, I wasn't thinking, oh, hey, you, you yeah. like to kill people, I like to kill people. But there, <laughs> there, there, it, there was a response to someone who was, whose brain was running on a similar wavelength yes. as mine. And that just seemed so yeah. odd. Instant BFFs. Right. I'll tell you what had happened. We were at a dinner with several other people. And in, in the process of about half an hour, she had made references to both Back to the Future and Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure (laughs) completely unrelated to each other. And that was just like a weird radar ping in my head. I'm like, wait a minute. What do we have here? Right? Yes. Yeah. And that phrase, wait a minute, what do we have here? I see Lecter there. Yeah. Absolutely. No, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I think I think he's like he kind of is like, haha, I see what Jack's doing. Young girl trying to rile me up with the huh? What was that? Yeah, yeah. What the fuck was that? What the fuck was that? Oh, Jackie boy, it's you a, sly devil, you. It's oh, an incredibly romantic story. <laughs> yeah, because it isn't. That's my new best friend. You can you can't have her. I'm it, gonna lick on her. I'm gonna lick her and everything. <laughs> Yeah, but even then, like, I don't even have to do that much. Like, I oh, just, yeah. it, it just floats my boat when she comes down and talks. They could be friends. They could easily just be friends. Yeah. And I, th- I think he's fine with that. 
I think yeah. he's like, oh shit, I just want to be your friend. Fuck. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> One other big thing I have. Buffalo Bill's bad at what he did. <laughs> he, he He's dumb. Oh, yeah. Uh, Dollar Hyde was meticulous. Yes. And and knew what he was getting into in every situation. Mm-hmm. This dumb motherfucker right here kidnapped a senator's daughter. Yes. He could have gotten away with it forever if he hadn't done yeah. that. Because there would have been no heat on that case if he hadn't right. picked, you know, little baby senator. He was so wrapped up in himself. Yeah. He could not see that he was doing anything. Not he he knew he was doing wrong in a way in a weird way. But he knew like, he had to hide it. He knew he had to hide it. Yeah. But he was so utterly like, it's fine, I can do this. I know I'm trained like uh not seamstress, but like right. he's like, I know what I'm and they're like, no, 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 you're killing people. Like people, <laughs> okay, whatever. They're just fat girls. Like well, he, he doesn't he doesn't really see them as people. Right. They're but that just... but that's the same thing with Dollar Hyde and all right. that. that no, that's sure. very key to the pathology. Yeah. But the fact that he missed the big detail oh, God, yes. that the world was going to come down on this case with everything it's got because he, he picked a princess. He never researched any of his victims. No. Dollar Hyde researched the victims. Yes. Like, meticulously researched. Yes. And And Gum was just sort of like, oh, she bit. Look at her titties. I'm going to get her. Yeah. Like, that's that, that, he, that he could not see past the size 14. Right. At all. And so he was just like, what do you mean you're a senator's daughter? He's like, like befuddled. Yeah. He had no idea. He's just like, you don't have parents. Yeah. People don't have parents. I killed my parents. What are you talking about? Right. <laughs> if he had been more careful, he he would have yeah. gotten away with it. Yeah, he would have he he at least was, gotten the suit for Right, him. yeah. Yeah. Weirdly enough, Dollar Hyde was like, I don't know. I don't want to put it in D&D terms, but it's like almost like lawful evil. And and gum is like full chaotic, like cannot see yeah. anything beyond his own little tiny bubble, and is like mystified when the world comes crashing down on him. Well, yeah, I mean, Dollar Hyde got caught because of the planning yeah. that left a trail. Yes, and and gum had no gum, planning. Gum was caught because of of circumstance. He couldn't help himself. Yeah, like, yeah, he, yeah. He had yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. Organized and disorganized. I mean, even, we had one that was organized and one yeah. that was disorganized. Like, even at the end, he's, like, still couldn't comprehend Starling as being a trained federal officer. Right. And and he was just like, oh, wow, the new, whatever he called it, like, new victim, and I'm going to play hide-to-go-seek with them, and then I'm going to shoot her and take her hair. Like, he has, he's just like, cool, my victims come to me now. I must be getting good at this. And, like... Didn't even occur to him that yeah. she had like showed him the badge and everything. Like, hey, maybe they trained me to use a gun, and maybe I'm really good at it. And you're like, you know, yeah. He had he had no idea. It never even dummy. occurred. Yeah, Buffalo Dummy is what I call him. <laughs> yeah, he could take ten minutes to be like, hmm. Yeah. What's her? Whole Who's that exceptionally well dressed lady with the large staff that comes visiting? Every six months. I should look into that. I should really get more into politics. I just need to read the paper once, once. in a while. Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't. No. Yeah, he doesn't at all. Yeah, keep up yeah, on politics, know, the, the fam. Whole, uh, <laughs> the whole Senator Martin speech, he never even saw it. He never saw it. It he never, never happened. Because yeah. he's too busy watching videos of his not mom. Right. Yeah. It wasn't even his mom. <laughs> it wasn't even his mom. And then making videos that to cut himself into. Yeah. yeah. It's just sort of like oh, he's, he's too busy doing that. And I'm like, this is why you gotta 
You gotta read politics. He might be the first millennial monster. Where he is just more interested in his selfies than, you know. (laughs) I I mean. Yeah. Senator. What's a senator? He's like, I don't senate anything. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> I think we are approaching the end of our time yeah. available. Air. I feel like I've been having the big points. Do you have anything else that you wanted to add about the no, book? I just, I just, I love this book. I'll have a Great lot book. to add about the movie, but this, this is such a fabulous book. It's preferential, but like I think it's tighter than Red Dragon in terms of like Red Dragon was very good. Maybe even a better plot, like in terms of like the the intricacies of it, because he had to really get into Dollar High. This book, I think he, uh, Harris learned like theme and motif and decided to turn it into a sledgehammer. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, I appreciate that. I really do like when a book does that. So. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I loved it. I, I, I'm with you there. I, Clarice Starling was incredibly formative to me on a youth. And I think that shows. Very formative to me too. And I think we'll get that in the, in the movie. Cause I think movie Starling was more influential to my work than I ever quite bargained for. And right. that, yeah. Yeah. Saw movie Starling first, but the book, yeah. when I finally read it, I was like, oh, girl, I feel you. Yeah. Yeah, you get that motherfucker. <laughs> so next time we will talk about the thing without which there really wouldn't be a Hannibal Lecter franchise. Yeah. Uh, the 1991 Jonathan Demme film, Silence of the Lambs. So we will talk to you then. Okay, bye, bye, bye. Bye. Snakes don't not it's not the other thing. They were our guests, you dumb shit. Swallow your tongue and die. <laughs> <laughs>